Are you ready to experience something extraordinary? Cultural gems in Croatia, ancient temples in Asia, art in Italy. We'll take care of everything. Flights, accommodation, excursions, local guides and all that planning. Travel department. Let's see more. I'm Gary Cook, and you're listening to Trailblazers. Hey there, and thank you for joining me, Gary Cook, and welcome to another episode of Trailblazers. And my guest today is surely one of those. A musician who pursued his talent and his dreams. His debut album, What I'd Say, hit the top ten on its release in 1991. He has got a CV that is longer than the badges on a Boy Scout's arm. More recently, he enthralls uh, the world with his weekly guest spot on the Pat Kenny Show with insightful and beautiful renditions of Irish songs. I can only be talking to Paul Harrington. Paul, how are you? I'm good, Gary, and I can tell you one thing. I was listening to your lovely intro there, and I said... Is that really me you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, you're very good. Very I good. give everybody a good intro because uh, I don't I don't want to uh, upset anybody. Good. If I'm not going to give you a good intro, who is? you're not going to give yourself a good intro, who is? Okay, so um, I forgot to say, of course, you also won the Eurovision Song Contest, but I think everyone knows that as well. And we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Um, so you have just come back from uh, your slot on the Pat Kelly show. Yes, today. I, I used to have a lovely uh, old uh, Volkswagen Beetle that um, I realised when I moved here, here where, I, where I'm living that there was such easy access to, to town and to most places I need to get to. Uh, I cycle and I had this beautiful old car just getting older and older and costing me more money and more money and more money and I decided to uh, reluctantly say goodbye to him. So yes, in short, just back from the pack and he cycling. He must be a, a mascot as well for Dublin City Council. Right? Like, yeah, I never even got it. Owen Gagan, yeah. Uh, anyway, so back from the pack and show where you did a song which took me back a bit, or took me out back okay. a bit for the kind of difficulty of it. Yeah. And you just done a beautiful rendition of... Kiss from a Rose. Yeah, it's, it, it's an extraordinary song. Um, and again, to just, I suppose, to very quickly give, give you the, the, the back date of, of this weekly thing, is the weekly slot. It really kind of picked up pace when the, the pandemic started. And what happened was I used to do it, what was like kind of a, 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 um, an occasional series. I used to do Irish ballads. I used to do uh, um, One Hit Wonders. I did all sorts of things for that over the last six, six and a half, almost seven years. But they asked me, they said, look, pandemic struck. We need to fill. We're all everyone's working remotely. Can you do one of these a week? I said I certainly can. Thinking, of course, it'd be only six, eight, maybe two or three months. You know, I said I, I can manage this. However, with the help of, of a pal of mine, Graham Murphy, we put this together. One of the, the I suppose, the criteria that I started to try uh, to to maintain for a long time was that I never repeated an artist. Now that's been difficult for the last three and a half years. I think I think I might have repeated maybe Nat King Cole or something twice and maybe one other but however kiss from a rose uh, was suggested by 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 and a lovely english gentleman um i uh, you know had a very high profile marriage to heidi Klum. he was a dance 
um, uh, the, the voice of dance records for Adamski back in the day. Um, and he then uh, got connected with Trevor Horn, who I suppose, um, I was told, Graham Murphy, who works with me, is it also worked with Trevor Horn for, for many years. And he tells me reliably that it was Trevor's wife, Jill Sinclair, who discovered uh, Seal. Um, however, this was a song that he, he hated, he didn't like, he was ashamed of it, he threw the, he threw the cassette away. Steel? Yeah, yeah, didn't, didn't want to, he said, this is a song, I, I just didn't like the way it felt, I didn't like it. Apparently he doesn't like it to this day, but it was, wasn't until his uh, second album, Seal 2, that Trevor Horn managed to unearth the, uh, the this cassette, because they were looking for stuff, looking for material, and he, and he said, what's this, and played it anyway. So... He, he worked his magic and turned it into the, the, the huge uh, song that it became. Extremely difficult. And again, it's a huge challenge for me. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I suppose weekly I do songs and it'd be lovely to be able to knock it out of the park every week, but that's a hard thing to do. So I always try and have what we call, myself and Graham, what we have, what we call a showstopper about every six weeks. So we, we, we kind of, we, we select songs the way Years ago, birds I used to select the peas. Remember that TV? Anyway, you, how did they select the peas? Well, it was it was a, it was an animation of all these kind of tiny peas, and they were, some some would get through and some wouldn't, and that was that. But however, um, yeah, a tricky song, and with the, with the help of, of I suppose um, I I do I do pre-record these songs, so that that gives me a chance to examine it, break it down. But I, I was really delighted with the result. So um, there's another long-winded answer. And uh, are you? Allowed to even play a smidgen of it, uh, of that song that you did. In, 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 here? Yeah. Well, no, I, I can't because Graham plays the piano oh, right, for me. Okay. See. So he plays the piano on that, so therefore I, I wouldn't be able to reproduce it here if I was working. For example, in our, in our live show, the lyrics of Thing, which is about an hour and a half long, I, I play piano on probably about half of the of the, the songs. And he plays, like, he would play things like, uh, we include songs like, my funny Valentine, or uh, send in the clouds, things like that. Mm. that. That now, it's not to say that I couldn't play them, but I would have to sit down. I, I've never, I've kind of, I suppose once he plays them, I've kind of been a bit lazy about that, so I, I let him do that. But it also gives me an opportunity in in a live performance to get out from behind the piano and face the crowd, and that's that's kind of or face the audience, should I say? And um, and that's a you know that's the whole purpose, in my opinion, of a performance is an exchange between the artist and the audience and I can actually and you sang the song that you mm -hmm. uh, have just done yeah so I sing the vocal he he plays the piano and we do it right, right in this room my front room and uh, so um, although for example I would play the piano here for, for, for you know sometimes Wayne might come to me say we might we might record four, we might do four songs in an afternoon in about three three and a half hours so of that, he might come down with two pianos done for two songs, which I'll sing to. Then I'll put down two pianos, and then I'll sing to those pianos that I that I play. You know, so it's um, so it, it makes it very efficient. You know, so in other words, when we're knocking out a list, he's you know he said for example he might say oh kiss from a rose he say yeah no I've got a good idea of that. Uh, and I say well I have no idea so I'll study it I'll study the lyric or I'll study the the, the performance. And he comes with a piano that suits the way I play. We we pick a key, for example, I don't sing in the same key as Seal, so we get something that that can accommodate my voice, that 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 allows me, you know, 
not not replicate what he does, but to be able to to successfully execute the dynamic of the of the of the music of the song. So so that that's very important. Um, and then he would say to me, "Look, is there any songs that you can you can do playing?" you know, fall in love log and, 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 and that we can just knock them out and then you sing to them. So that can happen, you know. So, I, you know, the song, whatever, the last, say the last session we did, uh, we did Kiss From A Rose, we did a bangle song called Eternal Flame, which I played, um, uh, that I could play for you. Why don't you play a little bit of Eternal Flame? Exactly, it's, and it's, look, it's, it's, it's um, I'm not, not going to pretend it's easy, but um, I'm just going to, uh, let me see, just make sure I can... Uh, Get my little. Make sure I have the key right here. Oh, yeah. So, so it's a very, very, very simple thing. It's lovely. Uh, Billy Steinberg wrote this. Close your eyes. Give me your hand, darling. Do you feel my heart beating? Do you understand? Do you feel the same? Anything. No, I no. think it's a famous line from one of the writers <laughs> yeah, of Taxi true. Driver. I think 
Okay. Uh, I remember when they were making Casablanca as well. I think uh, Ingrid Bergman, and, uh, you know, yes. nobody thought it was particularly good. Of course. I mean, I, I, mean, it's, <laughs> I, I said today uh, to, to, to Pat that there was a, there was a movie that this saw the Batman Forever. You know, everybody said, weren't expecting this to do well. And I, and I just said, I don't understand why people put all this money into something that they expect not to do well. I mean, I presume you, you the, the hope is, yes, this is going to fly. But... Like you know, you know this business as well as I do in many ways. That it, it's it, it is it is it's about exposure, and it's about somebody somewhere getting behind something, and somebody liking something, or liking you, and 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 you know, or not liking you for that matter. That could, that could you know, that, that can go could have its own effects. I've been on both sides of that fence. Okay, and I know yeah. I know what it feels like. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Are you interested in trying a new smartphone but still a little unsure? Do you want a phone that offers larger icons with louder sound and an interface that has technology designed for seniors? Well, why not choose from the Doro range by simply visiting doro.ie? Doro, make friends with innovation. One thing I noticed even just playing there uh, and just generally up your uh, verses on, um, on, on the on news talk, mm. how well you get inside songs. It is not an easy thing to do. It's one thing to play stuff, to be you know, musically talented and you hear people and they do it, they do it pretty well. But to get inside a tune yeah. is a different animal altogether, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's like it's the single most important thing uh, and you really have to... I mean, there is no point. I, I, I remember again an old friend of, of ours and uh, from years ago, great radio man Tony Fenton, God rest him. But you know, I remember talking to him about, uh, and this was a very, this was a strange thing. This was in he was talking about relationships, you know, and we're talking about uh, dating, right? And and this Tony was 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 quite a guarded guy, guy around all that, and you know, uh, one one time we had a conversation. He said, he said to me, he said, well, I only just ever give eighty percent. And I said, how do you do that? How do you do, how can you give 80%? So it's certainly not, in, in something that I do, in, in whether it's music, the only time I might give 80% or a less percentage is if I, I, I'm hoarse or, or, or I've got some sort of, uh, I, I'm struck down by something and you're croaking and you're, 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 you're busting yourself and you can't really do anything. But, but you can't, there's no such thing. Even if I turn around to do something here now, a few bars or something, I have to be 100% in there. And because I have to believe the lyric, and everything is about relatability. Although I don't necessarily write songs, and something I talk about at the very top of my live show, I really talk about the fact that I'm not as a songwriter. I've written some songs that I that I would certainly be proud of, but like the, every time I've tried to write songs, I always discovered people who you know said it far better than I, I was. What I wanted to say, they said it better. You know, so it's easier for me to say, okay, well, I'll just sing that song because that's exactly what I want to say. That's what I want to convey, and uh, you know, this, you know, just all the, they're nearly all love songs anyway. Most most songs are kind of about relationships and, and different, different, different at different stages of people's lives, and the whole key is relatability, and and uh, it's always the connection. What you know, you just you're walking along somewhere, you hear a thing. I mean. For me, it's it's a uh, I don't know. It's like easy like Sunday morning uh, is kind of is my favorite song of all time, 
And you might ask me why is it my favourite song all the time, or of all time, but I kind of came up with a with a with a, a criteria to decide that because I, I used to get asked it so frequently. And the thing that struck me about Easy Like Sunday Morning was that as soon as I either heard the piano intro on a radio in an elevator, or likewise, a couple of weeks ago, I went down to see Lionel Richie in St. Anne's Park. It was the second song he did. It completely and immediately transported me right back to 17 years of age, holding a radio, big bush radio on my left arm, uh, sitting at a bus stop opposite P.R. Riley's um, on the Hoth Road, the, the petrol station, and I was on my way to see, get a bus to see my then girlfriend, you know. And it's just, it's the, the, the capacity of a, of, a, of a sound of a song, for, you know, for example, it's just, and it's just literally when I would hear this, you know. right back there you know and it's just even though look, I didn't write it I got nothing to do with it but I mean but I think when people great songwriters I think they I think they understand that although the song is theirs as soon as they release it and let it out into the world it becomes everyone's you know so uh, it kind of leads me to my, my next question which is what what attracted you to music what, what was his music something that sort of was almost preternatural to you because it kind of sounds like it is was it in your family was it you know and what were you Initially attracted to what gave you that? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the youngest, uh, hard to believe now, but I'm the youngest of a family of six: uh, Richard, Robert, Derek, Joseph, uh, Siobhan, um, and myself. Um, my uh, older brothers, Richard, Robert, and Derek, were all involved. But they were, they were, first of all, they were all, um, they were semi-professional musicians, and all that meant was that they had a day job. All their family, from my father, were all involved in printing, printing, publishing, that sort of thing, including my mother. But um, so they used to play do the ballad circuits. That was it, and and they were you know I would I, on Fridays and Saturdays the weekends I I would uh, for a couple of bob I'd be polishing their shoes doing stuff like that, um, and I was always around it. I was always around music, and then there was always parties. It was in Calaster where we where we lived was a great party house, and uh, so and I was I was one of, I still am one of those soldiers uh, that that. It doesn't go. To, I always went to bed late when I was a kid, so I was always exposed to all these things. Um, and then even in, when I was about eleven years of age, my brother Derek emigrated to Canada. So every time he came back for a holiday, that was like a that was like a fortnight of, of, of session of music and of course everything else that goes with it, the the jar and all that jazz. So, but however, um, so that was it. That was that was a constant. And you know, and then I I I, I suppose. The, the real key was when my sister, my late sister Siobhan, uh, there on my right hand side, she was uh, in school and she was doing music in school and uh, we didn't we didn't possess a piano. And uh, so she, she had to learn music and she was reading music, but she had nothing to practice on. So my mother uh, bought a piano for 10 pounds um, in whatever it was. Uh, and I probably, the, the, the first thing I was, I was just literally Almost I barely had to reach it. And that was the first thing I ever did. Just for I could do that for hours on end. And then, you know, my sister taught me this. Uh, if I could find this. That's right. Everyone used to play that, didn't they? And everyone had that, you know, whatever it was. So so she taught me that and that, you know, I used to, I started developing a speed with that as as I grew up and then I just started playing um 
I used to play the piano was in the front room, uh, Colester Avenue, and uh, I would sit there day for, for for hours, you know, just looking out out, out out the window sometimes, sun coming in, and I would I would listen to I think I suppose by the time I was I was I came to it late. I was in my teens, uh, my late teens by the time I really started to join, do the joined up voice and piano because I used to play in the old style where it was a, a melody in your right hand, you know, kind of. And then I switched over to kind of. on the bass and then the vocal becomes the, the, the lead notes you know um, so surrounded by music all the time and then in, I suppose more importantly uh, my brother Joe and and uh, who who was always involved in radio going back to Radio Dublin and things like that he, he was uh, <laughs> there were extraordinary times I'm talking about quality quality of sound I remember Joe would record a program onto a cassette send in the cassette and then they broadcast that over the air so you can imagine what that, that sounded like but he had the bug and don't forget all my older brothers I, I think I didn't I don't think I even bought a record till I was about 20 you know? so you must have been surrounded by a lot of different influences a lot of different kinds of music exactly. in the kind of mid 70s early to mid 70s times even, even 60s I mean I mean, I, I was, I, you know some of the records I can visualise now going through I, I, you know I can, I can picture 45s of you know uh Peter, Paul and Mary, uh, or, you know, um, uh, Classical Gas, Mason Williams. I can see that. I can see the label, kind of an orange CBS label. Classical Gas. Do you remember that? I remember that. That's yeah. a, a, an extraordinary. Remember, that was kind of like, yeah. That's all. I mean, obviously, that's only a bit of nonsense. But... But so therefore that was you know or the Beach Boys or the Beatles and um, so I mean I can remember pretty pretty distinctly I can remember uh, I referred to it earlier uh, we could work it out um, being in you know being played I didn't know what position it had but at Christmas time so that was 1965 I was five years of age so it was uh, so that sort of stuff and my mother as well she she introduced me to Al Jolson you know so I I although you know. Uh, on the passion, he draw, draw the line there. I can't, I can't do that. I can't, you know, the, what do you do with an Al Jolson song? Although maybe that's an idea. Anyway, I know nowadays you certainly can't use the makeup anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, let's not go there. No, no that's um, okay. Yeah, uh, it's a, you seem like to have a great connection with the piano. Now, mm -hmm. we had a piano at home, grand piano, actually. My mother played a bit, and um, I always found it. It's both very atmospheric and all the melodies you can get out of it, but it's yeah. also, particularly with the bass notes, there's a very elemental quality yeah. to the piano, isn't there? Well, there is. I mean, when you say that, when you think of what it's made of, okay, you know, what I'm using here is a, is a, is a 2000 or 2023 version of the piano. The, you know, this is a digital piano, and I don't call it a digital piano anymore because, because after... After about 20 or 30 years, people stop calling the electric guitar an electric guitar. It's just because a guitar. He's a guitar player, not an electric guitar player. So, but you're right in, in terms of elemental, as in made of wood and iron and, and, the, and the steel and the work that goes into. And of course, I mean, I, there was a place I, I used to play piano in, uh, in Sands Hotel in Port Marnock in the 80s. 
And uh, I remember well. Yeah, yeah. My friend's brother-in-law, Peter Eads. Yes, I know Peter. Used to play as well. I think I may well have seen you. You could very well have because there was there was uh, it was in the eighties um, and I, I I kind of I think it was around nineteen eighty five ish I was I was there for a couple of years there was another great guy called Arthur who sadly sadly died um, and of course uh, again a terrible a terrible loss recently was it was a was a great friend and colleague of, of Peter's was uh, um, uh, Roy Taylor who, who who died just recently but uh, however Peter um, great great he, there, there was a song that I I used to see him play that uh, eluded me for years but I I cracked it it was a song called Lonely Boy uh, he was the, by Andrew Gold he was the only guy I ever knew who would have the the the, the the, the wherewithal to cover a song of that. But I digress. Sands Hotel in Port Marnock, the piano was the single most dangerous place to sit was in front of the piano because it was an old piano and I had a guy, a fellow called Declan Barlow used to come out and, and, and tune it, but he, because it was a terrible thing, it used to go, go terribly out of tune. He used to over put the tension like, and of course, there was nights where I would be playing away. Sorry, I'm, I'm probably tapping that foot there. Uh, there's nights I'd be playing away and a string would snap and fly. I mean, this was like, it was, this was like I mean this could it looked like it could decapitate somebody you know so that's that's the sort of strength and tension that goes into that iron frame so that's as much as I can tell you about piano so very elemental yes. and dangerous really. yes <laughs> elemental <laughs> and dangerous okay so so your own career uh, you, you you got into part certainly playing part time or semi professionally yep. and you had a job during the day initially I presume Yes, I was a civil servant, um, and that was something that I kind of really, that was a kind of a, listen, get out of bed, today is the last day for, for the application for that job sort of thing, you know, rattling the, uh, my mother or father, rattling the end of the bed, you know, but uh, not, to, not to, you know, I don't mean to be putting it down, but it was, it wasn't for me, but I went in, and I wound up there for a good few years, but I actually left it because I, I, I had more work. I was I was doing eight gigs a week at one point, mm. and, and I still had Monday night off. Uh, I, I used to do three on Sundays. I used to do the Sanford Lounge Sunday morning. I would then do Sands Hotel between four and six, and then I would do it again between eight and ten. And then I'd go into Tomangos afterwards. Where the gang goes. And the whole gang were there, I can tell you. And, <laughs> and then I go to work the next morning. Um, so I was really, you know, even even then I was, I was playing in town and it's gone now, the Royal Dublin Hotel, I used to play there. Um, I um, I would then, even after those gigs, I used to, uh, in later years, in the 80s, I, uh, I would start going back to um, a, a great little speakeasy called George's Bistro on South Frederick Street. Oh, yes. do, 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 do. No, we ate there uh, you, you, many occasions. And yes. it was, there was, this, this was yeah, one of the most bizarre but wonderful places, you know, I mean, this was the closest you got to, because, you know, it was, it was, you know, anything from rock stars to movie stars to, to politicians would all, would all kind of huddle in that place, because this was the only place you could get a bite to eat and one, you know, but apart, apart from the whole Lisa Street thing. But and live music. And live music, exactly. Thank you go. I, I completely almost forgot about that. I mean, so, I mean, you, you, and you never knew, you know, I remember, I remember sitting playing there one time and just sitting right opposite me was um, the 
Romanian uh, uh, captain, but great tennis player uh, in the staff. Yeah, yeah. sitting right in front of me. And then, uh, you know, in the same place was a week later was Melvin Bragg. And then, you know, another week later, not necessarily a week later, but, you know, big tall fella comes in and shuffles in and it's Jimmy Webb, you know. And so he gets in, has a bit of grub and then gets up and plays a few tunes. And it was, that was, I mean, the, the latter, the, I suppose the, the the more modern version of that, which is still twenty years ago, is when I kind of I ran the the the, the kind of VIP bar in Lily's Bordello, which was a great great venue for for me people and 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 for people relaxing coming coming in and playing maybe playing a tune or singing a song or, or not just doing nothing you know but uh, I've I've had many great nights there. Yes, I heard on Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> how can you trust Wikipedia? Well, <laughs> did you have the likes of uh, well, you two and our Bonnie used to go there? Uh, bon Jovi, Prince. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I, I sang for almost three and three and a quarter hours for Prince and his and his and his minder and a lady friend, uh, and it was funny because. <laughs> I had two of my brothers in. The, the piano was was right up at the um, Nassau Street end of the building, and I, I always had a, a seat and a, a table for me sitting for friends of mine or guests or whatever. So in my my brother and uh, Derek and Robert were there. There was a guy called Jimmy Carr home from Canada also. Anyway, they said, "Look, listen, they, you know, Prince is coming in. They're gonna have to go." I said, "I said, look, this is my family. I'm, I, I'll go too." So, uh, anyway, they said, oh, okay, they can stay. Anyway, it turned out it was great because they, I got them up singing ballads. Prince loved it. He uh, was, had them running around. It was marvellous because uh, <laughs> you're, in an, you're in an upstairs VIP lounge where, where people are used to popping bottles of Cristal. He asks for uh, a banana boat, I think it was, what he, what he wants to get, or a Knickerbocker glory, something like that, some sort of ice cream and thing, anyway. He, because apparently he didn't drink. Although I can now say he did have one glass of red wine, but uh, over three and a quarter hours. But yeah, I mean, I, I did parties for the Rolling Stones there. I did all sorts of things. I, I mean, it's. Uh, did Keith get up at all? Um, Ronnie. Ronnie would always say, oh, yeah. Ronnie would get up. I mean, sure, look, it was myself and Palomar and Bill Shanley, a terrific guitar player, has been, um, you know, for the last, for a number of years, been playing with Mary Black and Ray Davies for Donkey's Years, and he's now. Himself and Gilbert O'Sullivan working together for for the last ten years. It's a two man two man show. But Bill was it was a surreal moment. Bill was to my right playing guitar. Ronnie got up and joined us, and I'm playing piano. And he said, "Look," he said, "like he just we smiled." And Mick Jagger was right in front of us dancing, and we said, "This is unreal," you know. But uh, this is this is something I've told a million times, and Tony Fenton used to relay this story all the time. And this is not a word of lie. Ronnie said to me, he said, come over and meet Mick. And of course, like an Egypt, I, I put my hand out and I said, pleased to meet you. And Ronnie jumped up out of his chair and he goes, woo-hoo! Uh, so, and I just stood there completely, completely embarrassed. However, so that's my, that's my uh, Mick Jagger, my Mick Jagger story. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Mick Jagger is in some strange way, one of the most underrated rock singers of all time. He's one of the greatest rock singers, in my view. He yeah. really does channel Robert Johnson at the crossroads. He really does channel that. He's incredible. Um, and yet, he somehow, in the 70s, and through comedy particularly, he was kind of portrayed almost a caricature. But he's a truly great singer. Oh, yeah. All you have to do is go and, go and see him. I mean, I know I know. some of the criticism was that they, they stopped, unlike you too, they stopped 
in, in, in inverted commas, creating, that they just, they would tour all their hits. But, you know, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Go out and do it well. I mean, I, I saw I saw them, at the, I think it was the last show they did in, in, in probably Croke Park. Yeah, I saw it too. It was fantastic. But it was just absolutely fantastic. And, I, and I, I, I had to stop and remind myself that, you know, you know I, I, again, when I was back at, at, as a young kid, you know, picking up those, all those loose, 45s and there'd be 19th Nervous Breakdown and, and Satisfaction and all these incredible songs. I mean, I, I, I at the time, I suppose, I, I, it's not that I wasn't discerning. I, I, I could I could e- equally listen to the Hollies doing Look Through Any Window or something like that, you know, and just be drawn to that. I'm not a, I'm not a, 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 I suppose I'm not a rock singer, not at all, but, but see, the beauty of Mick as a rock singer is, I mean, his, his roots are, are in deep country. Yeah. You know? it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, and it's, I love, I love, I love when, I love when an artist can disguise in a way. Not, they're not, not, they're not trying to pull the wool. I mean, I, for me, a classic, a classic example would be a, a girl called Nora Jones, who would, you know, ostensibly be, you'd somebody say, oh yeah, jazz, jazz trio, whatever it is, the way, the way it's set up. That's not, it's country. Country music, you know, if you listen to it and just listen to it in a way that it's uh, uh, you, it's the instrumentation that 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 they, they just put this jazz code on it, lovely people, bass, piano, bushes, and stuff. But it literally, it's it is a more a bit like a bit like me. It's country, it's country music. Well, I mean, it's tougher than uh, I mean, when you look at the Eagles doing country rock, and then you do you look at the Stones doing country rock, like what a what a contrast. Like you, you, you would never put them in the same boat at all, you know, and rightly so. But uh, and yet, the, yet there's 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 quite a connection in, in, in musically, I think. On will phone poke a newowet. On will knappy no fum nis orjoet. Nis eskalehusaj faker no phone intaka tal gwin on show egg daro. An von klishte is Dani gdi gohan la hai glina agus taskina. Ta rod egen gogachtina. Ta nismo olis egg daro dot com.